Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we welcome back film critic Danny Bose to discuss the Abbas Mustan thrillers Race and Race 2, starring Saifa Ali Khan and Anil Kapoor. Welcome back, Danny. We're so happy yeah, to have you back. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Yeah, we got, uh, we got Danny up on the Skypes today, and we are talking about the race films. Yes, the duology, I'm told we should call it. Yes. Yeah, I think a duology. The race duology. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, uh, you know, it sort of uh, gentrifies uh, the, the films, you know, kind of. How many people did uh, thought that you were talking about the uh, Jesse Owens biopic all week? Well, just about... There were two reactions when I was when I was tweeting about watching race. One was, "Oh, why are you watching that Jesse Owens movie from non Bollywood people?" <laughs> and the other reaction from you know if, if fans of uh, Indian cinema were like, "Why are you watching those movies?" <laughs> and you know, I don't really have a better answer for that than they're awesome. You know, I feel like this episode is going to be a lot of us justifying to the listeners why they should watch Race and Race 2. <laughs> I mean, sure, oh, yeah. they're fun. They are fun. They're very fun. Yeah, and, and I I actually don't want to spend too much of my precious time here, like, getting defensive about it. Because right. the, I, I'd rather, you know, you know, if I don't want to, you know, dictate to y'all how to talk about these movies on your own podcast, but... There's legitimate entertainment value in these movies that, you know, the requisite, you know, uh, a kind of, you know, pr- disclaimer that they're not high art, mm-hmm. but they're high entertainment, you know? I mean, because the, the complete absence of any recognizable human form of shamelessness <laughs> makes yeah. these two movies... Just a marvelous way to spend a few hours. It's true. Nobody, everybody's like, oh, this plot twist doesn't make sense? Hello, who are you? Like, the naturalism police? Yeah. Give this it, is race. Give it ten minutes and it'll all, your world get flipped upside down yet again. So don't even worry about it's that like, last you, one. You know you want it? These yeah. plot twists? You know, you know you want, there's a scene in Race 2 where there are literally three plot twists in one scene and it's great. Yeah, it's, um... You know, it's. I don't even know if we could even adequately explain the plot of these movies, but we should at least oh, no, give I our can't. listeners, you know. <laughs> but a, the thing is, trying to is going to be good entertainment yeah. dollar. Let me tell you. Well, yeah. just trying to remember everything that happens is, you know, it's a good bang for your buck in just things that happen, all kinds of stuff. Oh. Yeah, um, I know yeah. things happen and they're brightly colored. Yeah, and and, and you know, and, and they're the pretty. One. I thought the second one actually oh, yeah. looked wonderful. Yeah, it looks really good. And Matt, you're does, someone yeah. who can usually see the plot twists coming. You often, you know, kind of make these wild predictions at the beginning of a film, like someone is a ghost or yeah. someone's secretly a cop or whatever it is. Uh, did you see any of the twists coming in these films? No fucking way. <laughs> so no. they worked on you. <laughs> they oh, they, they got defeated me. your like crazy like twist. I mean, sense. I guess for race two, I was already primed to believe nothing, and I knew that the rug was going to be pulled out from under me every five minutes. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna just gonna be like a rock that just sits there and doesn't get you know bothered by this. So yeah. I was a little bit primed for race two, but race one, I mean, the first time I watched it. It was just too much. But the second time I went back in, like, damn, okay, yeah. I am ready for this. 
Yeah, you really just have to go along for the ride. And I will admit, the first the first time we watched Race, because this episode kind of spun out of the last time we had you on, you mentioned how much you liked Race. And I was like, oh, we watched that movie and I wasn't sure. So wanted to give it another mm-hmm. chance. And this time I feel like I was just able to get on its rhythm a mm-hmm. bit better, kind of knowing that I shouldn't take it too seriously. Whereas the first time, it just, you know, like... Everything kept changing so quickly and so suddenly, and I think I resisted that. Yeah. Once you once you go along for the ride, I think it really it has a really wavelength. Delivers. It has a wavelength you have to yeah, kind of stay on. Exactly. Uh, but uh, so it was directed by Abbas and Mustan Bermawala, and features Saif Ali Khan as Ranveer Singh, <laughs> uh, unusually prescient name for a character. But I'm pretty sure there's a couple other movies where another guy is named Ranveer Singh, also not played by Ranveer Singh. I think Pram Ratan Dan Payo. One of the the main bad guy was named Ranbir Singh. We could check on that, but there was for sure another one was like, I know that guy. It is worth mentioning that the actor Ranbir Singh didn't debut until 2010. Yeah, and Race is 2008. So at the time, you know, no one knew that there would be this I mean, know, actor who would come on the scene and capture well, everyone's hearts. <laughs> and I I do think I don't want to make grand sweeping pronouncements, but I don't think it's all that uncommon a yeah. name. No, I it could also so. be just guerrilla marketing for race three, and we're gonna watch <laughs> the new uh, Sanjay Lee Basali that he's in, and he's gonna pull off his mask, <laughs> and it's Saifoli Khan the whole time. You got raced. <laughs> you think so? I think or, that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> Ranveer Singh, the the younger Ranveer Singh, is gonna show up and twirl his mustache in race three, mm-hmm. and it'll be Ranveer Singh versus Ranveer Singh. I would love to see Who Ranveer knows Singh what's as a reality, villain, right? That's that's my that's my the, my high concept pitch for race three. Mm-hmm. Is the Battle of the Ranveers. Well, they could do a, a Ocean's 12 sort of thing where someone is actually named Ranveer Singh. Who's a, like, Ranveer Singh has to pretend to be Ranveer Singh, the movie star. Mm-hmm. Like with Julia Roberts in uh, Ocean's 12. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's maybe it. But anyway, it features Anil Kapoor, Akshay Khanna, Bipasha Basu, Bips, Katrina Kaif, and Samira Reddy. And, yeah, uh, I guess who's who's uh, who's pulling the short straw here? Who who can describe everything that is race? Oh. <laughs> I mean, we we were, ta- we were we were talking a little bit before, okay. and I can't okay. even describe remember. the sun. <laughs> okay, I I will describe the basic setup of race. We so. will chime in when a twist occurs. <laughs> okay, so yeah. we're in South Africa. In Durban, right? Yeah, somewhere around That's... there, and. Our our lead, played by Seth Khan, Ranveer Singh, owns a racetrack and stud farm. Stallions, it's called. Yes. He has a younger brother, played by Akshay Khanna, who's always kind of been in his shadow. He's mm-hmm. also an alcoholic. Yeah. He drinks a beer for breakfast every day that <laughs> his manservant brings to him, yes. I guess. Yes. Breakfast of champions. <laughs> Saif Ali Khan is dating Bapasha Basu, who is, like, this fabulous model. And after he's in a car accident, a mysterious car accident, uh, they have a big party to celebrate that he has, you know, survived and is still alive. And at this party, Bapasha Basu meets Akshay Khanna, and Akshay Khanna tells his brother that if he were to have a woman like her, he would quit drinking. And thus the games begin. And thus the games begin. And so Saifali Khan kind of moves aside. A romance strikes up between Akshay Khanna and Bapasha Basu. But it turns out that Akshay Khanna is just trying to do his brother in and is trying to get Bapasha Basu to 
join him in this mission so that he can collect, so they can stage an accident, kill Cyphelicon, and he can collect the double indemnity clause on his life insurance policy. Yeah. Katrina Kaith also factors in as Cyphelicon's assistant, and then later on in the film, Anil Kapoor shows up as Artie, a detective who eats uh, fruit in every single scene. And he's also the narrator of the movie, who yes. doesn't show up until hour two. Until the interval, yes. <laughs> um, everyone's allegiances change many, many times throughout the film, and characters who you think are dead come back to life. Bombs are planted in cars. It's a roller coaster ride of emotions and plot twists. Potentially my favorite ever use of a car bomb, actually, in Race 1. Um, mm. uh, I don't really want to go into it for the for the viewers back home, the listeners, but the the a scene near the end requires such <laughs> out-of-the-box thinking as to how to fuck over your brother but also not die yourself, which is just beautiful. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about the build-up to that? Yeah. So, I mean, this is Twistorama, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and the... The scene where the first twist is introduced is is really kind of wonderful because, you know, the, the way that the whole story is set up is basically, as you said, like it's very matter of fact. And there's this, mm. you know, the the the, the nice uh, noble selfless gesture by Saifalikon that he's like, oh, in order to you know help my brother, I will, you know, stand aside and let my brother romance the the, the woman of my dreams and. You know, and there's, and there's a couple of songs, and it's all very, you know, like, pretty and everything like that. And then there's a scene with Akshay Khanna and Bipasha Basu. And all of a sudden, Akshay Khanna just, like, stands up, and his whole posture changes mm-hmm. in, in, in an instant. And suddenly, he's, like, a weird combination of, like, Dan Duryea and Scarlet Street and, like, you know... Um, the classic movie, just like there's this instantaneous heel turn, mm-hmm. and he walks over to a bookshelf and just randomly pulls out this enormous dossier. Yeah, and turns to bio data. I think right. Says, this is your bio data. Here, here is your bio data. <laughs> and she has this look on her face like, "What the fuck?" And and it's like. He is going to use all this data about how she was a sex worker back in India and, you know, and all this shit. Mm-hmm. And, and and he's going to blackmail her into doing his bidding as part of this like, ludicrously labyrinthine, Byzantine scheme. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned you know, I, Dan Duria. Um, just because... Yeah. This movie, I guess you could probably classify it as a noir. I mean, not really visually, apart from maybe uh, the in scene in... Of, only in terms of the plot machinations. Yeah, yeah the narrative yeah. is definitely yeah. that kind of noir, twisty-turny thing. And like, also the use of a double indemnity clause yeah. is, you know, a shout-out to double indemnity, presumably. Because I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. Oh, yeah, no, it's not how that works in real life at all. Yeah. But that is, you, you know... Uh, transitions very nicely into one of the great things about race, which is that the 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 great thing about it is how little it has to do with any recognizable sort of reality. Yeah, because the the number and magnitude of the plot twists is on a scale unlike I've encountered in any other movie. You know, the thing that really kind of bugged me the first time I watched it, and now I realize is a mark of its true genius, is within the first ten minutes. We are introduced to their jockey. We introduce to the fact that he's 
you know, kind of been on the payroll of another rival race guy. Then they murder him. No consequences whatsoever. They blow him up in front of their house with a car bomb while driving in front of him. Like, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, this is a, this is a world where nothing matters really. This is the ultimate anarchy world. Especially the laws of physics. The law, yeah, cars, uh, explode and fly in the air in all kinds of wonderful ways and it's just spectacle mm-hmm. and i loved it mm-hmm. but i do think it like yeah. it's genius really does come from that marriage of yeah this kind of twisty noir plot line where you know maybe hard-boiled is a better term because noir's yeah, got the visual aspect yeah where like uh yeah. everyone it, it's somewhat amoral yeah um with the kind of like the crazy over-the-top stunts that you mm-hmm. see with some of the some of the car work and just music videos stuck in the middle of your movie <laughs> and also things like ranveer singh going out for a nighttime uh horse ride and his shirt's just <laughs> open and it's raining like oh that's just what you do right yeah. it's they they figured yeah, out because people want to go see a movie where the hero's shirt is open and he's exactly. riding a horse and he looks awesome. That's that's what, know, it, it's got something for everybody. Well, I mean, and it's just it's about like a very heightened state of decontextualized pleasure, mm-hmm. you know. And it's uh, you know it, nothing tracks rationally. Things have a slight resemblance to you know I mean. Like, the the fact that it's, you know, photographed action rather than, you know, hand-drawn or computer-generated animation is just about the only clue that it's supposed to take place in, like, on Earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because pretty much everything is like, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the heroine is being set up by three different people at the same time. And she just happens to be on the top of a park, uh, the top of a parking garage, yeah. where a thing with uh, like iron girders just happens to be suspended <laughs> over the exact right spot. My second favorite thing in the whole movie, right there. <laughs> yeah, and then Saif Ali Khan, who's supposed to be dead, you know, uh, just jumps out of nowhere, jumps on top of the girders, which then land on the truck that's chasing. Uh, Bapasha Basu, who it ne- and, and she does the Charlize Theron Prometheus thing of never occurring to her to deviate from a straight line. Yeah, as she's running away from a vehicle that's bearing down on her, trying to kill her. But ultimately, it doesn't matter because Saif Ali Khan, ex machina, uh, <laughs> you know, comes flying out of the sky to surf on top of iron girders <laughs> through the sky so that they crush the truck. Without damaging Bapasha Basu in any way, yeah. but totally wasting the guy inside the truck. And yeah. then they have their romantic reunion as if nothing just happened. As if that didn't just happen. They go straight into the romantic reunion scene. And yeah. he's saying to her, it's like, love cannot part. You know, it's like in all of the, like, he also, <laughs> the thing that gets lost in the mix is that he has a whole bunch of just wonderful tossed off, like, you know, poetic dualities that he just, mm-hmm. like, you know, mumbles out of the side of his mouth while fucking, you know, like, cars are exploding in the sky and, you know, people are, you know, faking their death in eight different levels of, you know, yeah. meta-theatricality, you know. Yeah. yeah. I guess uh, previous to that scene, she is being chased by this guy in the truck. And what's he going? Maybe four miles an hour, possibly? Because she runs oh, for, for, yeah. <laughs> for, about, for about five minutes getting chased by this truck. And, you know... And she covers the, uh, 
she covers about 20 feet. Yeah. 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 Everything works. Like, there's an internal logic to these films and this universe where you would think that a movie with, like, this many, like, a movie this convoluted wouldn't kind of add up to, to a whole, and yet it does. Like, every plot twist along the way works and all these kind of crazy action sequences work and the relationships between the two characters it actually feels very cohesive in the end well it's it's strung along by pure yeah. star charisma honestly yes. like you will oh, yeah you'll take whatever happens seriously because sci-fi lee khan is telling you because Anil kapoor is telling you and actually kana they sell it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and the thing the thing that's uh, that's important to note is, is that yeah they do have a an internal consistency to them mm-hmm. Um, you know, the twists that happen, you know, like, it doesn't violate the rules that it's already set up, and it doesn't mm-hmm. lie to you to sell a twist the way that some movies do. Well, exactly, and, like, you, I, I don't think yeah. you expect that kind of internal logic from a Bollywood film, and we've all seen Bollywood movies that just kind of fall apart in the second act because they completely ignore what happens in the first and nothing ever makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, More characters disappear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, this one, like, it's very well plotted, as ridiculous as it is. And I think that's one of the reasons why it holds up as such a satisfying film and, or, mm-hmm. you know, two films. Satisfying is the best term for it because you do go on this crazy-ass odyssey <laughs> and, you know, it's enjoyable the whole way. Mm-hmm. Especially, I think it's even better the second time. I, I want to watch Race 2 again just to see if I have that same effect, but yeah. just knowing that there's at least six or seven giant plot twists to watch out for is pleasurable in its own way. Well, and the thing about rewatching is that, it, like the scene that I mentioned earlier with Ashley Khanna, this time rewatching it, because it was long enough ago that, like, it was like a year or two ago that I last. Um, you know, watched these movies. And so I had forgotten a lot of the specifics. All I remembered was that there were 80 million goddamn plot twists. Mm -hmm. And so I was sort of waiting and waiting for it to get started. And I was, you know, what wasn't, you know, wasn't trying my patience or anything. It was over. It's a slow burn actually for the first half an hour. It does. Yeah. It takes its time. It almost feels like it's designed to be rewatched because you're like, Oh, yeah, you know the plot twists are going to start in a bit. Oh, yeah, you know. You yeah, know. shit's going to oh, pop off right away. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. No, no, no. Yeah. Just, just calm down. Get settled. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, and then Akshay walks over to, the, you know, to that bookshelf, and it's just like everything changes. In that it, It's this marvelously elegant glide into the next phase of the movie, which is, you know, the... It's like, now get ready for more blood twists that you've ever seen, you know? Yeah. I would almost be interested in, like, a side series that explain all the preparation that goes into their crazy twists. You get a little <laughs> bit of that with uh, with Ranveer Singh later on, but some of the preparation and just plotting out things, you could get a really solid procedural at figuring out, here's how I'm going to fake my death in this specific way. But I think part of the pleasures of these films relies on the things being revealed at just the right moment. Oh yeah, they're they're pitched to a, yeah. a tenor just like Yeah. That's when we need to flip everything around again. Yeah. Um actually kinda is fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. And oh. every time I see him, I always like him because he was in 
Uh, T-Smart Khan, which mm-hmm. we watched on your discretion last time. Great. And he's also <laughs> in uh, Dishoom, the new John Abraham Varun Dewan movie. He plays the bad guy in that. And he fucking rules, actually. These movies are really well cast. Yeah. It took me a while to come around to Saif Ali Khan. I thought he was really goofy at first. Um, and then we saw Omkara, and I, he just blew me away. And ever since then, uh, I've really seen something really interesting in Saif Ali Khan. I think he's mm-hmm. really engaging. And he's so manly but suave he's very macho yeah, yeah like he mm. but he, he's not like it's not like he's you know kind of um it's not like the masculinity is just like you know kind of well, he's radiating not, he's not like john abraham and Dishoom, yeah, who's just like a huge block of muscle mm-hmm. there's a sophistication uh, God, john abraham who would be six inches taller if he wasn't so muscular <laughs> yeah it's like the way john abraham walks it's like his musculature is making him shorter because he's hunched over all the fucking time no he's he's he's, yeah. he's a he's trying to get wider and more mm-hmm. jacked but, but yeah in these yeah. Films, like there's a cunning to him and a sophistication and i think you just like you want to be that guy or you want to hang out with that guy. Like, yeah. He, he carries these films really well. It's interesting because we watched uh, Love, Ajkal with uh, Saifu mm. Khan, And as a traditional romantic hero, I didn't really love him in that. Mm-hmm. He's good in Cocktail, but in that one he's kind of a, a Robin Williams kind of prankster type guy. And that worked really well. Yeah, I but uh, as the... the, the well, he embraces movie, the unreality of race very well. I yeah. Think. You know. Yeah. That's something you did pretty well in uh, Go Go Agon too. Just yeah. getting set into a situation that really doesn't make any sense, and he, you just you have to go with him. Like, come on, like we know it's not making any sense, but come on. That's why I didn't like Sci-Fi Con at first because the first thing we watched was Go Go Agon. Yeah, I mean it's admittedly not his best work, but oh, uh, I just like in a general like a, a, a general note about race that it ties into one of the things that I like about both movies is that you know the when when things get ridiculous there are kind of you know like actors have two kind of you know established paths to go when things get like a, a totally absurd you can either you know flail around and turn into you know you know Jim Carrey comes to mind you know like that he's mm-hmm. you know this is his classic move in literally everything except eternal sunshine of the spotless mind you know where things get ridiculous and he just starts like flapping around like crazy and trying to paper over the essential unreality with a flurry of overacting and physical movement or you go the other way and you're just like what what are you talking about? This is the way things just are. Yeah. And that's the thing that, you know, with Saif as the lead in these movies, that everybody kind of in a way has to take their cue from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he anchors the, the both movies in this just totally blasé, uh, you know, like he doesn't even bother to get, you know, like all head up and emotional about shit because it's like, he's just, you know, the calm center. Of the, it's like, yeah. Of course. Of course I spent six months, you know, like faking my own death and coming up with the most labyrinthine scheme that you've ever heard of. But what, who doesn't? Yeah. You, know? you mean you don't do this when you fake your death? Well, you know? And it gives and it gives everybody the chance to just, you know, kind of do their thing. No, it's, well, I mean, I guess it's sort of like, you know, like a, like a, kind of like a jazz band. Hmm. Where you have, like, the basic melody, 
and then the soloists, you know, just do their thing on top of that. And it, and it, you know, and it's cohesive because of the fact that there is that baseline that everybody is working from. Yeah. And his, his, like the extent to which his equanimity and absolute certitude anchors both of these movies, you know, really can't be, you know, overstated because they work because of him. Yeah. Like everybody else is great in them. But if he wasn't holding it down to that degree, these movies wouldn't work yeah. as well as they do. Well, you uh, said, you mentioned actually kind of doing a heel turn before. Uh Ali Khan is never breaking kayfabe at all. Like, he is oh, yeah, committed yeah. to the bit regardless of whatever happens. And that's that's what pulls us through. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you... And it's, and it's good to bring wrestling in with these movies, because that, that essential unreality of wrestling... Yeah. is something that is like akin to just the heightened energy of of the race movies and it's and it's just as much the sort of thing that people will give you shit for liking because like how can you like this baseboard yeah. oh, entertainment it's like cuz it fucking rules that's why i think you know? um you know we were talking earlier about race versus dawn and doom i think mm. what what happens in dawn is that uh, Sharuk is kind of winking at the camera sometimes, especially in the second one, whereas Saifa oh, yeah. is not doing that. Yeah, yeah, never. I actually like these movies more than I like the Dawn movies. Um, I mean, the Dawn ones are all the like the cult of personality of uh, Sharuk, and I think I like the first yeah. one a lot better. The second one, it could honestly have been anybody in that role, but remaking that first Dawn movie mm. is, is kind of fun. But I don't know. I'm not quite as down on the Dawn movies. Like I've rewatched the second one a number of times, you know, and and I have a, a a certain amount of I mean not guilty pleasure, but like, yeah, this is not the greatest thing that Shah Rukh Khan has ever done, but I mean like the the amount of fun that he's having for one, and like the ridiculous amount of musculature that he packed on for mm-hmm. that movie was yeah. like I mean and just the bone crunching violence and it's like yeah, I don't know man. It's, any excuse for Bowman Arani to be in a movie as well? Because he's a great villain in those movies. Oh, Especially yeah, yeah. in the second one where he, he he's knows he's getting tricked by Don. He's like, oh, but I really want to get out of jail. I hate it here. I guess I'll go yeah. with you again this time, Don. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets fucked over again. But I think I have more yeah. fun. Like, Sharu Khan's having a lot of fun in the Don movies. But I have more yeah. fun watching the race movies. Yeah. And I think that's partly oh, because... Yeah. It's a lot more balanced. It's like you have Saif Ali Khan grounding everything, but then you have a very large cast, and everyone gets, like, a good kind of scene where they can chew on the scenery, and, you know, kind of crazy things are happening, and you get these, like, none of the dance numbers or the songs are kind of, like, overly memorable, but there's still, like, a slick production value to them, and I just... Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's just, like, I think the movies kind of draw you in in a way where I always feel kind of out of remove from the Dawn films, Mm -hmm. but I don't think you need to, like, draw a direct comparison between Doom, Dawn, and Race. I'm just glad that there's an ecosystem where they all live, and I would love to see a third Race movie. Yeah, and I think all these franchises really kind of offer something different. You know, they really kind of offer different kinds of pleasures mm-hmm. and and what race kind of you know the, the convoluted plots that race brings to the table you know paired with uh 
those those crazy action scenes. Like that's just that I think that's really special. I did want to ask you, what did you guys think of the ladies in this film, uh, specifically Bipasha Basu and Katrina Cave? Uh, who make up, you know, half of the cast. Katrina Cape is a delight, a delight as ever. Yeah. Always like seeing her in movies. I think not uh, being a native Hindi speaker myself, her accent isn't quite the turnoff that it is to a lot of other people because she's yeah. continually getting shit on for that. But I think, you know, um, you know, she's, she's apparently duplicitous. Oh. And also, very few people are her equal at holding down uh, a song. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. That woman can dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, she's such a great dancer, and she works those... That particular kind of performance and theatricality, it it clicks with, you know... I mean, it helps with the whole accent thing, because she's Mm lip-syncing, so there's that. Yeah. And then she's also a spectacular dancer, which is the other thing. And she's also, you know... She looks like Trina Cave, you know, not to be, you know, that guy, but, you know, she is quite stunning. She's got that going uh, for her, yeah. Yeah, and, and she knows how to to use it as performance as well, mm-hmm. which is not something, you know, that it, it, it's something that kind of gets taken for granted that everybody knows how to do. But, I mean, she, um, for lack of a better term, works it, mm-hmm. uh, it with, uh, with, with great Elan. Mm-hmm. And so... And, and the thing is, you know, because the whole accent thing, people underrate her acting. She's not a bad actor. She no, does what fine. she wants to do in every single one of these roles, and she always sells them. And, I mean, uh, Bips kind of had, like, the short end of the straw in terms of, like, character stuff in mm-hmm. race, because she's got to play kind of dumb and reactive a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And that's a real uphill climb, but I mean, she uh, prevails over that because she's great. But I mean, it's still there's a, maybe one or two too many scenes of her sort of like looking tearfully while somebody you know figuratively twirls their mustache at her and you yeah. know, kind of declaims you know like the uh, the inner workings of his labyrinthine plot. And so, I mean, it's it's it, it's tough for her as an actor playing that kind of thing just because it, she just has to play off of what she's being given. And that's yeah. a little unfortunate. It's a bit of a waste of her talents. But, I mean, she is still, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, like Katrina, you know, it's, it's, it's always good getting to watch yeah. her work. You know, I, you know I, I think I, they both get to show a range of their talents here, partly because the twists demand that of them. And yeah, so, they're thrown into different roles throughout the movie. Yeah, and yeah, while I agree yeah. that like Bipasha Basu doesn't get as much to do um, as I think Katrina Cave does, because and Katrina Cave's like kind of turncoatiness was the one I really didn't see coming because she's just oh, yeah. so warm and bubbly mm-hmm. that when you know that kind of shifts i i was so taken aback the way that, watching it the second the time the way that scene is shot actually with a unknown yes. assailant running around in her house with a hoodie on that's that's really well done 
Yeah. Because you think for sure yeah, she's yeah. in danger, but then something else is up. We're, yeah. we're, side, we're oh, sidestepping oh. around it. Yeah, and she's kind of in the background of the film for a while, and then she kind of comes more into the foreground. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's to her benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like how she, you know, you really feel like she kind of comes out of nowhere and then just kind of takes the movie with her for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I like both of these women a lot. You know, I mean, they're both like mm. drop-dead gorgeous they're both great to look at in item numbers, but I do think that like they do get some stuff to do within the plot. I mean, it still kind of feels like for the most part, you know, the movie is about like the two men boys fighting, yeah, and like their you know competition between the two of them, and the women kind of get strung along for it. But you know, I, I, I do still think that they hold their own. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Well, and yeah. there's also the 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 reality of the fact is that if the movie was just two boys fighting with each other. It would be boring as shit, and so they have the you know the um, the, the essential task of you know making the movie about more than that for mm-hmm. the, what time they have. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say you know briefly without getting into too many of the details of you know the specifics of it, getting to see Evil Cat is all too fleeting mm-hmm. a pleasure. Yeah. We never get to see it because she's still. I mean, she is still quite young, objectively speaking, even though by movie star standards, of course, these things are distorted. But, you know, she still has that, like, you know, youthful look and she does that, you know, you know, like, like, earnest fascination kind of thing Mm -hmm. really well. So you don't really get to see her play people who are just flat out bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, so, like, her, her few minutes when she gets to be the, uh, you know, the kind of noir heroine for, like, you know, 25 minutes there, you know, it's like, you can see her sort of, you know, like, I mean, almost, you know, like, uh, this is, a stretch is probably only going to be some, I'm probably the only person on earth is going to pick this up, but it's like, she almost had a couple Mary Astor moments. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when Maltese Falcon style? Yeah, yeah, Bridget O'Shaughnessy. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I can see it. It's a thing that I probably... I'm not explaining terribly well at all, but, like, there's this one shot. I think it's, like, after the jig is up a little bit, and she's sort of, like, sitting there kind of, like, stony-faced. It sort of reminds me of the end of the Maltese Falcon when, you know, Bridget O'Shaughnessy is, you know, like, kind of in the corner, and she's like, eh, well, like, mm. yeah. kind of lets the veil drop. Like, they both have, like, yeah, it's a similar, like, veil drop moment that they that they both have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something... Like the ability to play negative characters and negative roles is something that kind of feels unique to the race films. Like, you know, when you're in Bollywood, a lot of the actors get typecast and they're always cast as the heroes. Mm -hmm. And here you have this really like amoral world where everyone is kind of awful. Yeah, Bipasha Basu (laughs) is probably the cleanest out of the whole of them because she only betrayed two people, maybe? Yeah. Well, and she mostly just has. A questionable past, yeah. yeah, you know, which is like, I mean, if you don't get into all that, you know, like, you know, lifestyle shaming shit, you know, mm-hmm. like, then that's not really a thing, you know, and 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 that's the other thing that it that it's sort of good to remember every once in a while when you're thinking about the great Ranveer Singh is that this man is a goddamn sociopath, you know? <laughs> He's terrible. <laughs> He's a monster. He is the most manipulative, fucking scheming, just, yeah. like, vengeful, petty as fuck. I mean, just, like, er- 
you know, he's like, oh man, if you piss me off, I'm gonna spend the next 18 months ruining everything that yeah. you are in this world. Yeah. Which is basically what happens in Race 2. That's, the, so... that's the whole plot of it is, oh. <laughs> yeah, well, we got are... yeah, we got to get into race too. Yeah, and it's uh, so fun but, yeah. to watch because don't you think there's oh, a little yeah. Rambeer singing to all of us? Like, oh, little, I would like, th- I like, think so. Yeah. You just you do want to manipulate and like get back at all the bitches? In yeah, life? yeah. Oh, I I've been told many times that I a little bit of Rambeer singing me. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you you like you like to shut people down. Yeah, uh, but uh, I think that's as good a time to break for race too, don't you? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, for our song sample today, we've chosen Alla Do High High. Uh, there's a version in both Race and Race 2. We're going to play the Race 2 version. Great. And we'll see you on the other side. You know you're gonna lose when you throw the dice I'm gonna make you see, make you see, make you see Ain't nobody gonna run the race like me That was Allah Duhahi Hey from uh, Race 2. We used the Race 2 version. So speaking of Race 2, it uh, came out in 2013. Race 1 was 20, uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Mastan uh, Burmawala again. And features Saifo Lee Khan, Anil Kapoor, John Abraham as the main villain this time out. Deepika Padukone, Jacqueline Fernandez, and Amisha Patel. And she's playing Cherry, right? Yes, Cherry, the new assistant. So, yeah. Saif so, Ali Khan and Anil Kapoor are the only two that kind of come back for the sequel. And Papasha Basu yeah, in a kind of a... Papasha Basu shows up briefly. Yeah. But it's... Yeah. Um, the game has changed by the time of Race 2. And Ranveer Singh is kind of globetrotting mm-hmm. in this one. So, um, in this film... He is on a mission of revenge to take care of another person who has wronged him because his life is either he's dating someone or someone has wronged him and also people who date him also wrong him. So his <laughs> life is fairly uh, fractious. But in this film, he is trying to track down the person who has killed the love of his life. And in Spoiler, s- Matt. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in this movie. Let's not, let's not go crazy. And he enters the orbit of John Abraham and Deepika Padukone, who are these, I think they're Turkish, possibly? They seem to operate out of no, Turkey? No, no they're no, Indian. They're, they're, they speak Hindi. Yeah. But they, they live in Turkey on, yeah. in this area. It's because they're, um, they're uh, the, the local kind of uh, heads of the Asian mafia. As right. Said. The Asian mm-hmm. mafia is seen in Dawn has taken over Asia and has gone all the way into Europe now. But uh, they are sort of power broker, rich people, head gangsters <clears throat> who kind of fund various projects. And they're brother and sisters. They're so brother and sister. Saif Ali Khan and Akshay Khanna were brothers in the first film. Now we have another kind of set of siblings who are at each other's throats. You know, these films really don't believe in, like, sibling bonds and love. (laughs) Yeah, brotherly love is out the window in the race films. Yeah. If you squint a little too close, everybody is just vile in these movies. Well, if there wasn't the sheen of, you know, beach parties and uh, uh, cocktails and champagne flutes, this is actually a very depressing view of humanity, the race world. But, uh, yeah, he enters their um, their orbit after um, hilariously fucking over a man who owns five casinos within the first 15 minutes of the movie. Just completely takes this guy out of the equation. 
and gets caught in the machinations between them and some machinations of his own. Uh, R.D., our favorite uh, cop, comes back and is now a rich guy himself and wants to get in on the action. Mm-hmm. He's got a new assistant named Cherry who... It doesn't prepares see, his fruit. Who prepares his fruit. I mean, he can't do that himself. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like he has a lot of responsibilities anymore, apart from being a rich person who goes around places. Because ostensibly in the first one, his assistant was helping him do police work. In this one, I'm not sure. She she cuts fruit for him and hangs out and listens to him talk about things. But well, he's taken the money that he received from Saifali Khan in the first film and kind of invested that yeah. into his own race track. He has business interests now. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's incorporated. R, RD is a big deal now. But, yeah, uh, the stage is set for another battle of wits between um, Saif Ali Khan and this time John Abraham, who is a former street fighter turned rich guy. And I, I think this does feature one of my favorite themes in movies is underground pit fights. <laughs> I know you were tweeting about this today, Danny, but, like, oh, did yeah. you think growing up that you would be dealing with either attending underground pit fights or... Fighting in them yourself on a regular basis, if movies were to be believed, because it's oh yeah, like we. Um, I always think about uh, the first X Men movie, which takes place in Northern Alberta. I'm doing scare quotes right here. That's where we live, and Wolverine is introduced <laughs> in the middle of this just disgusting street fight scenario, the, the, like underground boxing scenario, and. Yeah, that's the funniest trope that I don't think has ever happened in real life, really. I run into those in bars all the time, Matt. You're well, just I, not hanging out in the right places. Yeah, I don't know the password oh, yeah. to go to the back room and get to the ass-beating <laughs> room. But, uh, like, it's... Um, I think that this movie may feature my favorite underground fight scene of yes. all time. Yes. The one in X-Men Apocalypse was pretty cool, too, but... The way that right. this battle goes down is fucking awesome. We should also say that Jacqueline Fernandez factors into the whole thing as John Abraham's girlfriend. Yeah. Turned fiance. Turned romance object for Ranbir Singh. Turned, you know, four other things. Turned several other things. things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, can anyone explain to me what the race is in race two? Because in race one, it's clear that, you know, it takes place partly at a horse track where there's racing. And it's um, these two brothers. It, the final scene has racing, and also it's this competition between these two brothers. They've been racing their entire life. So I feel like I understand the race metaphor um, in the first film. Mm-hmm. In the second film, I mean, the race is on again. They mentioned that quite a few times, what yes, is, that the race is on. What is the race? I mean, I think it's a race to fuck over everyone else around you and get out ahead, right? To live I mean, through the course of the uh... film. The very concept of competition writ okay. large, uh, once again. I mean, I really think that when you boil it all down to it, the reason why Race 2 is called Race 2 and why the tagline is The Race is On Again is because the first movie was called Race. And <laughs> yes. in yeah. order to signify that this is the sequel, it has to be called Race 2. Um, and I think that, like, I would go so far as to say that that's the real explanation, and I love it all the more for that. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, this doesn't have shit to do with the themes of the first movie. You know you know why you like the first movie? You like the 45,000 plot twists. Yeah. And we've got even more this time around. Yeah. We put plot twists in your plot twists. So what is your favorite out-of-context plot twist that, that occurs over the course of the film? Just say it, because I feel like oh, I know anyone listening is not going to oh, really even get what's going anyway. on. Yeah. Um, it's the scene where 
Saif Ali Khan as Ranveer Singh seduces Jacqueline Fernandez, um, having seduced Jacqueline Fernandez in the duel scene where he loses the, the, the fencing duel, but actually cuts her fencing costume so that it will strategically fall down and render her undressed yeah. the moment that he walks out of the room, which itself is a magnificent scene. So having so flirted, he goes up to her uh, penthouse mm-hmm. where he discovers, quote-unquote, that she is the sister of the now-deceased Bipasha Basu, mm-hmm. whom he was supposed to be meeting at the uh, the moment in the incident that where she was killed. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, uh, Saif Alakhan is like, oh, man. And it sets it up so that you're like, okay, well, you know, he's going to mourn his lost love by falling in love with the sister now. So then there's the whole scene where she comes back in and, you know, after a brief thing, like, falls in love with him. And they're all, like, in love. And then, oh, shit, John Abraham's coming back. So Saif has to do some, like, you know, impossible acrobatics on the outside of the building to, like, just slide down several stories, like, without any, like, repelling gear or anything like that, and, like, swing into a lower room and and make his escape that way. Upon which we realize that John Abraham has falsified the identification (laughs) to trick Saif Ali Khan into thinking that Jacqueline Fernandez is his sister, when in fact she is not, and her loyalty remains with John Abraham the whole time. Mm -hmm. And that isn't even, like, there's a whole other twist that I'm forgetting about that also happens in that scene, I think. Is it uh, Jacqueline Fernandez's ring? Oh, yeah, the ring has a uh, radio transmitter in it. He was stuff. listening yes. to everything the whole time. Yeah. And yes, it, because it, John Abram was listening to the whole fucking thing. That was the third yeah. thing, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like the That's pen in the first film. It's like the, it's like the pen, yeah. yeah. There are three twists yeah. in one scene. I mean, in the race universe, you you want to check all of your jewelry, any sort of thing that could be taken from you and replicated, because there's a microphone in there somewhere. Oh, and when you think that you've checked and like every single button on your suit coat and everything like that, no, there's like a nanofiber that somebody replaced one of your hairs with while you're asleep. Yeah, that's you know, I mean, (laughs) no wonder no one trusts anybody. Like the the technology of surveillance and mind fuckery has accelerated to such a point. Where literally oh, yeah. anything can happen. Mm-hmm. The, the fundamental force of the universe in these movies is betrayal. Yeah. 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 Um, my favorite twist happens very early on in the film, and it's something I have thought about in many movies as well. Uh, when Saif Ali Khan is, uh, you know, messing with this guy who runs the casinos, he says, well, I stole a printing press. They have a whole scene of stealing this printing press, by the way, that oh, really yeah. doesn't come up at all ever again. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's the entirety of the plot of Dawn 2, by the way, is getting these uh, uh, presses that print euros. So I wonder if this is maybe a shot across the bow there. But anyway, he uh, says, I, you know, I was betting with fake money. I used $5 million of this. You give me some real money, and I'll give you a lot of fake money. <laughs> and then they, they do the handoff of the money, and Saif has this, you know, big armor car full of money. 
And they opened the door, and you could see some money in the door. Like, oh, yeah, that seems fine. I would always check the money, regardless of, like, Beyond my, the one layer. Oh, beyond God. the one layer of bills. Always check the money. Because yeah. that's... Because like they, they burn a hundred grand as the front layer, yeah. and then everything else is just blank paper. I mean, it's like you know, yeah. I mean, every single movie, not just in the race world, but every single movie there, it's like, don't you want to count it? And they're like, I trust you. It's like motherfucker, that yeah. is famous last words right there. Don't trust anyone. Yeah. Count that money. Sit there and count it. I don't care how long you're there. Do it. Count especially the whole thing. In the race universe. Yeah, especially in the race universe. Like, don't how trust did? Anyone. How did that guy Check get to own serial numbers with the director of treasury in Brussels? Yeah. Like, how, how did this guy <laughs> you know, How did this guy get to own five casinos without thinking, "Hey, maybe if I'm getting 15 million euros, I should maybe look at them to see if they're if they're kosher or not." But whatever. Yeah, that's my favorite well, he didn't twist. Even it's not... bring his clothes with him when he went to go check the money. Like he's running <laughs> no. around naked with pixelated man ass, you know, yeah. like all oh, the... yeah. That was that yeah. was a great little bit too. Just I didn't see that coming, and it was wonderful. But yeah, it's not a huge twist, but I, I just really like that aspect. Uh, Aaron, what's yours? Oh, I really like the twists. We're like, oh, Jacqueline Fernandez is this person, and then really quickly, no, she's not. Like I just, it, to me, that just kind of really, uh, you know, typifies how this movie is always pulling the rug out from underneath you and. I really enjoyed that about it. Like, you know, and right up until the end, like the twists just keep coming. I also really yeah. like, uh, you know, my friend, I'm going to trust this to my friend, Eric Roberts. Yeah, Eric Roberts. <laughs> you know, you think this is a oh, twist. Yeah. You think it's going to be Eric Roberts and then it's not. And <laughs> I was just disappointed. I, w- I would have loved it if Eric Roberts showed up. But it they... like, seems like something he would do. And why would you say Eric Roberts? Just say Eric or my friend. <laughs> Why would you say his name so specifically? Well, that, that was why I tweeted that to the guys who do the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast, because I was like, I want them to do a whole episode of that podcast where they watch Race 2 just because Eric Roberts is mentioned in it. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is, this is a classic <laughs> Eric Roberts vehicle. Like, a guy. Admit it, admit it. Oh, yeah. Eric Roberts does seem like the kind of actor that if he was offered, like, a bit part in a Bollywood movie, he'd take it. Eric Roberts seems like the guy totally who... Totally do it. Exactly. Eric, Eric if you Roberts... Race, you would fly to Mumbai. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Roberts seems like the sort of person who exists in the race universe. I would be thinking that this is Eric Roberts' actor in duplicitous race world. Just because his his whole persona is based on, yeah, I'm that fucking guy, that fucking guy right there. That's Eric Roberts. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just, I would go so far as to say, you derisively mentioned Christopher Nolan earlier. Uh, Eric Roberts' character in the Batman movies mm-hmm. is the most like Bali character mm. in any of those movies because everybody else is going for like gritty realism and everything and Eric Roberts is like I'm playing a gangster in a comic book movie and it's like <laughs> his vibe is so refreshing there because like everybody else is like this is a deep sociopolitical statement and Eric Roberts is like it's a comic book he's the <laughs> sort of right? he's the sort of guy movie. What the fuck? Yeah, he's like, the sort know. of guy who's going to name his thugs like this is Rico and Warrant <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is left pinky. Yeah, <laughs> pinky yeah. I, he's yeah. he's really he's really uh, falling into this the the sort of Batman movies I like better. But anyway, yeah, uh, like Race Eric 2, Roberts needs to make more. I mean, needs to make a Bollywood movie. Yeah, yeah I think, would be I think we, we've resolved this year. Eric Roberts needs to make a Bollywood movie right now. Yeah, he should just be in you know a, an opponent for Salman Khan to defeat early on in a film would be an Eric Roberts gangster. I think he could be the main so villain. He, he should be in Race 3 as Ranveer Singh, you know, the actor Ranveer Singh playing the other Ranveer Singh. Mm-hmm. His, like, American 
contact who's like the source of his sinister power. Like, like he knows a rich American guy. Like that's that's how you know he's villain because you know it's like yeah he's he's got he's got American muscle pulling the strings for him. I I think when I was watching this movie, I had my I had my game face. I was like, okay, don't trust anything. There's gonna be twists all over the place. I was imagining there was going to be more twists, actually. Really? I thought there was a ton. I was thinking... Like, right up until the end, it's just like, twist, 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 twist. Oh, you thought that was a twist, but it's really not a twist. I was like, thinking, for instance, that Deepika was going to end up being adopted, and she's actually Bipasha Basu's sister. Yeah. I, That's what I thought. I thought for sure that was yeah, going to happen. They, it didn't happen. They could have done that. And, and the thing that's so great about these movies is that if they had done that, it just... Yeah. Of course, mm-hmm. but I, I'm, course I'm halfway. She is. I'm halfway thinking that she's not dead and she's got a kid now, and we'll show up in the third one. She'll be the villain. Yeah, it, no, but Pasha Basu has to show up in the third one. It'd be cool she for her to come back because no one stays dead in the race universe. Yeah, and it would be cool for Ranveer to go up against uh, a lady villain. Yes, who isn't Deepika, I guess, or Katrina. Yes, but, it is kind of interesting to see Deepika Padukone in a role like this. Um, because this is kind of just like right around when she is starting to become like as big as she has become. Yeah. Um. And so it's it's weird to see her playing kind of second fiddle to people like John Abraham and Saifat Ali Khan. And I think she's eclipsed both of them by now, right? Like she's huge. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's gonna, she's be, gonna in be in triple X. Triple X three. Yeah. 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 Uh, the return of Xander Cage. What did you think of uh, John Abraham in this one? Um. Apart from his I, street fighting yeah. and his incredibly opulent and disgusting mansion, basically, like, the, this mansion that they live in is so over the top as to be obscene. Um, mm. He's He doesn't have to do much more than I've seen in a lot of other movies. I don't know, man. I, re- I really like John Abraham. And oh, I, I like him, too. I, do, I just don't think he had to try that hard. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, sure. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and, and that, that's fair, but... He, the thing, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't really have a rebuttal to that, because, I mean, I just like, no, but I like him, yeah, no, I like him, that's the entirety of my argument, so I'm just going to abandon that as it is, but one thing that I will say, though, is that the thing that was really funny was the cage match fight, and there is something a little rickety about, like, his scheme with the, um, uh, the other Indian gangster, yeah. Godfather. The uh, Godfather, who is yeah, bankrolling him for $15 billion, if I remember right, right? Yeah. Like, I feel Based like on a blood that, sport, by the way. I feel like, like that's, that's the one casting misstep in both movies, is that guy. That, he should have been the, huge, that like guy someone immediately that guy recognizable. scary enough. Yeah. Either he should have been an enormous star, or he should have been somebody who isn't as well-known, but who is just scarier. Because that dude wasn't, you know, really all that intimidating. Yeah. And he does end up taking John Abraham for everything. But then there's the whole thing where it's like, John Abraham is going to, like, he needs to fight in the cage match in order to get the gangster to bankroll his purchase of the stolen shroud of Turin. Oh my god, which, right. That's right. I forgot about the fucking shroud of Turin. So far yet is that they steal the fucking shroud of Turin in race 2. Yeah. Or uh, 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 words fail me. Surprisingly but, undefended so, shroud of Turin by the way. Yeah. Like oh, that actually yeah. looked pretty fucking easy. 
Oh, I know. The password. Oh, God. Yeah. That, Compar- that, that, compared that, to stealing the plates off the train at the beginning, that was a much more difficult operation. They just parked a van outside the like Vatican. Like how difficult that heist is going to be? It's like, oh, it's impossible. And then it's just a matter of, like, going to the room, typing in, like, t- uh, like a password that is literally just two words. Yeah. It's not, like, you know, it's not case-sensitive. It's not alphanumeric. It's not yeah. anything. It's just two words. And then they just, you know, but then of course, you know, it's like we're, we're, we're told later that, you know, there's a reason why and blah, 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 and all that. But yeah, the thing though was that, so John Abraham needs to like prove to the, like into win, you know, like to, in order to convince the gangster to bankroll the, 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 the Shroud thing. He has to get into a cage match and fight to the death with yeah. this guy. And it's like, I don't know why John Abraham... I mean, I guess he's the only person he knew who could just drop 15 billion euros at the drop of that. Yeah. But, like, I kind of feel like he could have gotten a little bit more creative instead of, like, I'm going to go into this cage match and I'm going to fight this American dude who is so roided out yeah, that his pre-fight routine, like his whole like fight preparation, <laughs> is beating his entire entourage to death. Fantastic, by the way. <laughs> I know, and it's like, well, I mean, first of all, like as an American, I get to say this. Hey, look, do you expect anything better from us? You yeah. know, it's like that's how we do. Um, uh, the thing though was that he was so noticeably bigger. He was than he John was Abraham, huge. who is mm-hmm. goddamn yeah. like John Abraham is brolic. You know, and this guy was like, he made, you know, he made him look like, like Shah Rukh Khan next yeah. to him. He looked like a like, kid. Um, th- put yourself he, in the in the bankrolling gangster shoes here. So you used to run John Abraham as your favorite fighter in the ring. Now you have this new guy, Typhoon, and you want them to fight. But best case scenario, your friend John Abraham dies because Typhoon murders him. Worst case scenario, John Abraham murders Typhoon, and you're out fifteen billion dollars, and you lost your best fighter. It re- like I got I, I just didn't understand that whatsoever. Yeah, I don't really. I'm not seeing like the profit motive in that. I mean, that, that's because the thing, and this is all like you know depreciating value and sequels and everything like that. You know, it's like the sequels got to be bigger and better, and you kind of like you know gloss over some things. That is the one kind of bad sequel thing in Race 2, is that the whole thing with that other gangster doesn't really hold up to close scrutiny. Any form of scrutiny, really. And it's really weird but that we're talking about, like, all this other, like, spectacularly, operatically ridiculous shit, and that that all holds up to scrutiny, mm-hmm. and this one thing doesn't. But it it really is that it, it, it that's what it is. This thing doesn't hold up to the same level of scrutiny as this other ridiculous stuff, which is kind of you know, as much as I as much as I love race two, and I do love race two, to the degree that I would risk, you know, uh my my public reputation uh <laughs> defending its honor. Um it's still like that that's kinda yeah, they kinda fucked that up. Well, and that fight is really vicious. Like, tonally, yeah. it feels off with the rest of the yeah. film, with the previous film. Like, it just goes to, I think, some really kind of nasty places. Like, it just it gets really intense, but not necessarily in a satisfying way. And really, 
bloody no. that you kind of I think you do start asking yourself like why am I watching these two men go at it? Yeah. Well, it's all that totally being tr- Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say all that say? being said, I do love John Abraham. Um but I do find it a little kind of um I don't know, like too close to home that this movie is centered on John Abraham having murdered his ex, the Pasha Basu, when in real life they had just broken up. <laughs> yeah. You get those weird kind you get of that parallels line, You get that line in Race about Brad and Angelina, and it's just like, ooh. And then you get this in... Ah, yeah. Which now kind of only feels feels that way mm-hmm. um, in hindsight. That extra textuality, man. Yeah, Gives but then up. here you come. actually get this actor killing, <laughs> you know, this woman who's supposed to be his ex-girlfriend in the film, who is actually his ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. but yeah, i don't know yeah. it's it's interesting that there's that kind of layer on the film you get that sort of stuff with a kind of smaller pool of actors like you get you know, right you yeah. know rambier and uh, deepka and tamasha for instance and, and yeah, is, Jawani, hi, yeah there is kind of an extra level yeah. of you know we know about these people in real life too yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm not big on the gossip stuff. I don't really like to, you know, get into celebrity gossip. But I did, like, when that was revealed that he had killed her, I just kind of thought, ooh, that's a little, it's a little harsh. <laughs> that uh, that parkour scene, I think, mm. is my favorite in the whole movie. And it's a fantastic action, action scene altogether. This does feel very informed by Casino Royale. With yeah. both the parkour yep. and the card playing. Yes, and the using technology to cheat at card playing, yes. too. It, 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 it is kind of trying to get that Bond feel. He's wearing a tuxedo at the beginning. And I wonder, are they going to go down the road with more of that going on, or what do you think? I don't know, man. I mean, I don't even... First of all, I don't even know if there is going to be a race three. Uh, just, I mean, it would... It doesn't really seem like there's all that much clamor for one. Mm-hmm. Um and even if there is, it's probably not going to happen for a couple of years anyway, because there was a bit of a gap between the first one and the second one. Yeah. And if there's a similar gap between the second and third one, we're not going to see Race 3 until at least 2018. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off again, because I feel like Race 2 working to the degree that it is, there's a certain amount of luck involved. Mm-hmm. And that if everybody shows up and it's like five years later and it's like race three and it's like, oh, well, we're just going to do the same thing we did in the first two, you know, there, there's – this is definitely a series that complacency can can be the death of because it all requires that level of, um, you know, like precision and – you know, the, the craft that was necessary to pull off two movies at this, you know, like, it's sort of like the whole, like, balancing plates in the air on the sticks, you know, it's yeah. like, they're all going to fall around and break if you take your eye off it, you know, and so it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm pessimistic about the prospect of, A, there being a race three, and B, race three being good. Yeah. But I also feel like keeping that low level of expectation and not imposing, regardless of the level of expectation, imposing any expectation whatsoever onto it is essential to enjoying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know because, if you've, uh, oh, yeah. I don't know if you've watched um, a lot of anime, but um, have nope. you watched any of the Lupin the Third films? Dude, I, don't, I haven't ever heard of that. They are an international Sorry. crime drama with a cop who occasionally has to team up with the main thief in wacky adventures with lots of double crossing. 
just calling it right now, the race movies are the loop in the third of um, of Bollywood. Yeah, I know you're shaking your head, Aaron. I have I I could see it now. It's it, it's it's the sort of format that really the story doesn't matter. You just kind of get that that feeling. And race two had a few moments where it felt out of that because it was too violent or maybe not not crazy in the right ways. I mean, a lot of the the twists in this one felt telegraphed because we'd seen very similar ones in race one. But maybe they could play it more straight in race three. I don't know. I I, I don't really like doing this uh, backseat driving well, studios. But Yeah, uh, and yeah. it's also there's no way of knowing until you see the movie. And really, the, the things that didn't work 100% in race two were mostly localized around that whole fight sequence, which I just wanted to loop back to just for one second because of... It's like, it's totally jarring, but not in the good Bali way. Yeah. yeah. It's, in the, it's in the way of we fucked up kind of way. Like, you know, because... And the other big problem that that scene has is that with John Abraham being the underdog, being so much smaller than this, like seven foot tall, 500 pound, you know, solid muscle, you know, just beast on steroids, Mm -hmm. is that it humanizes John Abraham to the degree that you're rooting for him to win the fight. And it takes your eye off the ball that he is in this hugely morally compromised world where even the good guys are, you know, like, the sociopaths who try not to overtly, you know, cause, you know, destruction in the world. Yeah. That he is the worst dude in a movie full of very bad people. Mm-hmm. And that fight scene, I mean, it's, you know, it's a very, you know, like, exciting fight. It's it's staged well. It's filmed mm-hmm. well. John sells it. The the American guy sells it. It's right you know. out of Bloodsport, honestly. It's it's a it's a scene from a different movie. Yeah, exactly. and it's and it's got that fabulous stuff of like you know there are the TV commentators in this huge crowd that's like intimately familiar with these fighters' careers when this is yeah. underground fighting. Yeah, this is had, underground illegal underground fighting, and yet everybody's like, oh yeah, well that's his go-to move, and it's like, yeah. yeah, I saw that on ESPN the other day. You Just know? pulling out trading oh, yeah, cards. There was, like, a, there oh, was yeah. a great 30 for 30 on ESPN about John Abraham's <laughs> character in his, in his underground fighting career. You know, and it's yeah. like, it's this whole thing, it's like, like it just, it, it's, it's just, it's just a little bit off, and it's not even like it's completely off. Because it's not mm-hmm. like it takes you completely out of the movie, but it does take you enough out of the movie that you start kind of seeing the seams in the way that everything is being orchestrated. And these are not the kind of movies where you can really afford to pull out and look at the puppet strings. These are movies that don't function as meta. They function as either completely in totality themselves or they don't work at all. It kind of also strains credulity in the later scene where Ranveer Singh fights him. And it's like, well, we saw him destroy a 350-pound man uh, with his bare hands. What do you have to bring to this party? But I will say that final scene on the plane with various reveals and also just crazy shit happening, 
fantastic. Mm. I think the moment when Topeka reveals uh, like how they switched out the suitcases, amazing. Is the best. Mm-hmm. Like that might that might be my favorite. Twist. That that is amazing because <laughs> when you go to get your custom plane done, do you go? Do you opt for the uh, you know bag sneaking table option? Like this is going to come up, and also I'm not going to tell my brother this. This is going to be my secret alone to hide things from him. From his plane sight. Well, you really do get the sense that, like, Dipika Patacone is, like, the leader of their partnership. Like, yeah. she is the, she's the businesswoman. And John Abraham is trying to take him from her. Yeah. Like, he, he can't carry this business. It's hers. Like, or at least that's how their dynamic feels to me. Well, it's an interesting play on the, um, the you know, relationship in the first movie. And I, I think it's a good idea to do that. Yeah. But maybe, you know. Um, I think it's a good idea to have a pair of siblings again because I think, like, despite the fact that I kind of joke that, you know, Abbas and Mustan, <laughs> who are brothers themselves, they must have a terrible relationship based on, like, how they're showing siblings. I think there is kind of an inherent competition you feel with your siblings. God, I hope none of my siblings are listening to this. Also, it's just an interesting, it's, it's just an interesting, like, villain idea, like a pair of villainous siblings. Yeah. You don't get that a lot, and... Uh, yeah. Well, and there's such that like, that like love hate relationship that you have with your siblings that I think like these movies kind of really. Um, yeah, I touch know. On. I know when I faked my death in order to kill my brother, it was <laughs> fairly emotional for me. But I, I did come around on it, and I think it was a good idea to do so. Yeah, um, that's why he had to. Make well, it worked out very well problems. for you, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I stole his girlfriend, and you know, it's, it's all, it's all been going really well, and I can't imagine any. Um, unforeseen twists are going to happen to me from now on. Yeah. Well, I have a twist for you. Oh, yeah? And this was foreshadowed at the very beginning of the podcast. Like, we laid the groundwork textually. Okay. But... Pull that carpet. I'm I'm, I'm Danny Bowes. You're Matt Bowes. <laughs> uh-huh. We're long-lost siblings. Oh, shit! <laughs> I, and I'm out to destroy you. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Prepare for doom! Oh, no. Yeah. Matt and I have watched so many Bollywood movies that we've actually set up a secret code word that only the two of us know in case one of us gets replaced by a long-lost uh, twin sibling who turns out to be evil and trying to take over our lives. Yeah, this is the only thing we can't say out loud on the podcast in case that our, yeah. you know, the antagonists are listening. But it is a very good idea to have around. Yeah, so I'm really glad to hear that you guys are not twins because... Yeah, we're, we're not twins, but we are enemies now. So I'm going to have to even, yeah. be even more on my guard. Uh, this will be my last appearance on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mysteriously, Matt Bose is not present at the next episode. Danny Bose, new host of the show. <laughs> wow. Uh, what about Jacqueline Fernandez? How did you guys feel about her performance? Um, she certainly doesn't get as much to do as I would say the other three. No. Yeah, and I would say that she sort of pulls Bipasha duty in terms of what I was talking about earlier, that she doesn't get as much to do. Her character kind of disappears uh, in the second half after being super prominent in the first half, and then she doesn't really factor into the proceedings in any memorable or tangible way at all in the second and it's a real shame because she's so good in the first half and she's like mm-hmm. it, it's such a like a lively performance and it's imbued with this terrific energy and she manages to you know 
keep up with Topeka in the glam states, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a tremendous feat, mm-hmm. let's just say. And it's like, yeah, like when, cause like when there's two women characters in the movie and the other one's Topeka and you don't get blown off the screen, you kind of won. Yeah. You know. But she's standing literally aghast watching the last 20 minutes of the movie unfold. Why not just take a swing at Deepika? Like, get a get a separate fight going there, you know? Yeah, she can, she can archer, she can sword fight, she can right, do all yes. this stuff, and then none of that was take, really taken advantage of, which is yeah, unfortunate. Because, you know. Yeah, she's, she's, she's manipulated by Johnny Abraham kind of throughout the entire film, I guess, right until the last moment. And even then, like, you don't really feel like he gets his comeuppance, I don't think, in that kind of interaction between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is too bad because I really like the energy that Jacqueline Fernandez brings to the films that she's in. I think she's very hardworking and she like she just she really kinda comes alive on screen mm-hmm. um, and really draws you in, but and like they're setting her up as like kind of this really interesting the character. Type. And while I like the quick reveal that you think she's this character, but then you discover she isn't, I think it might have given her more to do if she had to carry that. Yeah, if she had to pretend to, if she had to pretend to be Sonia's uh, sister for longer, possibly. It is fun to have that immediately taken away, but then she doesn't get a lot to do. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. if she had to like play you know, play that up more, it might have brought her into the plot in a more satisfying way for longer. I do feel like if if we add her into the second half of the movie more and make more of the way that she's built up, I think we add almost a half hour of screen time, though. Yeah. Because you need a lot of room. And it's it's not like, you know, it's not like Grace 2 is, like, not that long. But, I mean, like, I think that if it was played out over, like, because I think, like, if you add a half an hour, you get to, like, more of a, like, standard Bollywood running time. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that Race 2 would start to become a bit, like, diffuse and lose a bit of the energy, because all of the extra character stuff that she would have had to do would have kind of taken away momentum, and I don't particularly Mm -hmm. like that as a trade-off, but I'm just kind of trying to reverse engineer the decision-making that led to them not taking advantage of her in the second half of the movie, and I think, like, that's just about the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I mean, she could successfully use some more ancient weapons. That would be cool. And that could come up again. They sh- they should have worked her into the action. I mean, they show exactly. her doing all this stuff that can work in action sequences. Yeah. Like, how about, like, you know, shooting flaming arrows at Saif Ali Khan when they're both on parachutes, Yeah. you know, jumping out of the airplane, and they're, like, you know, fighting while skydiving. Or, or actually you know, sword fight Deepika, possibly. The, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. You know? she's, I mean, she's clearly well-trained with most ancient, ancient weapons. You yeah. know, they could have thrown some axe throwing in there. She could have thrown some axe she's there. taken a lot of proficiencies in her uh, character generation. So She has. But I think you're right that you don't want to lose kind of uh, the pace of the film. Because I think that's part of what makes it really enjoyable. It's really well-paced. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it also, gets to the point yeah. and then it, you know, it keeps hitting those notes in exactly the right way. And your attention kind of never wanes like it yeah. keeps pulling you back and i mean i feel like i've been harping on a little few too many negatives but you know like one of the things that i really love about it in defiance of all plausibility is how saif ali khan is just expertly skilled at literally everything yeah. 
He's, he's spent the last five years, like Batman, going around the world learning oh, yeah. every single skill he could get in order to steal money from dudes. Yeah, to just randomly get get involved in, like, petty vengeance feuds where he takes, like, the GDP of Romania yeah. off of some gangster, <laughs> you know? Do you guys feel that uh, Anil Kapoor is woven into the film as well as he could be? Uh, or yes. do you just kind of feel like he's left over from the previous film? No, he's a delight every time I see him. I love him. <laughs> I do I mean, love Anil Kapoor. The thing is, though, is that, you know, it's like because everything that he does in everything works, it's hard to evaluate, like, mm. oh, did this make the best use of Anil Kapoor? It's kind of like, I feel like if you have Anil Kapoor in anything at all, you're getting, the, you're living your best life, really, yeah. you know, because yeah. he's, you know, because he'll do anything. You know, mm. it's like, oh, hey, there's a paycheck in it. And he's like, oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll totally you know, show up for two minutes in this one song, in this one movie. I'm just yeah, it's like, that, sure. Yeah. That bit in uh, T-Smart Con where it keeps cutting back to him at the Oscars. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. God, he has so much natural charisma. Yeah. Like, every time was... he is on screen, I'm just, I'm drawn to him. I just think he's the, like, the coolest person in the room, even when he's doing this cheesy bit with the eating of the fruits. I'm just like, yeah, you got that. Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> It only just occurred to me that the last time I was on, we had sort of an unofficial uh, Anil Kapoor cameo double feature because he's got that cameo in, in yes. Wanted. Yeah, we dances right oh. at the beginning, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where, like, you know, it's him and Salman and um, uh, Prabhadeva, like, you know, all in the same shirt dancing and the thing. Yeah, and then there's his, like, you know, ah, I'm in America, and I'm just, like, you know, going around my dick out and waving my Oscars around all the time, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, I don't go for it. I've never awesome. watched him. He was on, it was a 24 or Homeland he was on? 24. He was on 24. I've never watched him on that. And I wonder if he's able to use his sort of star persona in that. Because no one in, on watching him on TV was going to know him. Mm-hmm. But is he able yeah. to use his natural charisma still as the villain, presumably, on this uh, season? Because he was like the main bad guy in one, in one season, right? I, I think. think. I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen no, on, tw- on the American 24... He played the president of Middle Eastistan in mm. for like about five episodes, and then I I don't remember whether he gets killed or not because I stopped watching that season before because it was the worst season of Twenty Four, mm. like it, it, you know. And I was a Twenty Four diehard, mm. like even the worst seasons up until the point I was like, no, 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 it's the first eighteen episodes are good, I swear, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he was, and the thing is, he was hemmed in. Mm-hmm. Because he wasn't allowed to do his thing. Mm-hmm. He pretty much had to be like a noble, like, you know, a, like a one-dimensionally noble uh, guy who wasn't a terrorist, like in this very simplistic, yeah. stupid American kind of thing. Because he had to be the good guy from Middle East to stand as juxtaposed against, you know, the evil, awful terrorist who Jack Bauer's got to kill, you know. Yeah. And then he went and played the Jack Bauer on Indian 24. Oh, did he have his amazing quaff for that as well? I was never able to get my hands on that. Like, back when I was still writing about TV at IndieWire, uh, that it was when that was on the air, and I spent a week trying to get my hands on screeners for it. But I kept on being, like, you know forwarded different people who had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah. And then finally it was told by somebody who was like, no, we're not giving American TV critics screeners for this. What are you, nuts? Huh. You know? And I was like, ah, shit. Yeah, I love him. 
I, re- I really do. Like, I mean, he can yeah. be a bit cheesy, and I think that's part of his charm. I guess yeah. I, I'm kind of a, like, I, I am drawn to people who are willing to show that side of themselves, mm-hmm. you know, who don't take themselves too seriously. And, and, and that's one of the things that I really like about Anya Kapoor. And that's one of the things that I really love about him in this role. I like that, you know, he's kind of a goofy character who has this right. running joke, but he's still a badass. He also has my favorite line in Race 1, where he introduces his uh, his companion. He, he says, she's good at office work. <laughs> oh, yeah, you love that. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I don't care if she's good at office work. I know why you keep her around. Saifal Khan has all these amazing, like, poetic and intense and deep lines, and your favorite is Anil Kapoor. She's, oh, she's good, good at office, office work. work. <laughs> he says it with such gusto. What does this say about you? No, I I know why he keeps her around. It's not because she's good at office work, I'll tell you that oh, much. okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's justifying himself. Yeah. But, but uh, it's fascinating because somebody who's that willing to do literally anything imaginable for a paycheck, when you reach that level in your career and yet you somehow magically manage to stay, like, not washed, you know? Like, the fact that he's still kind of, I mean, yeah, like, he's not in his prime anymore. But you, you don't really think, ah, oh, fuck, I know Kapoor, man, it's a shame he's been debasing himself like this for so long. Yeah. Like, you don't really think that. It's like, you know, he'll show up in, like, whack stuff, you know, it's like, and you're like, oh, why is he in that? Well, you know, he's he got, you know, guess he's building an addition on his house or something like that. Yeah, you know? Sonam needs some You know, one, one of his grandkids has started college or some shit, you know, it's like, yeah. Sonam Kapoor's not getting the roles she needs. I, I think it feels more like a victory lap with him. Like, he's just reached a place where he can do anything. And I mean, like, he did recently win um, a Film for Award, a best, the Best Supporting Actor Film for Award for Dilda Dakinado, which is he was brilliant an amazing cool. performance. Yeah, yeah. so, like, yeah. I mean, he's he's still pulling out, I think, some of some of those serious roles. And, you know, I always think of him in Perinda. Um, which is a very kind of like intense and serious performance, mm-hmm. but you know it just it just feels like a victory lap for him. Like who wouldn't want to be paid to show up on well, set, be cool, eat fruit, and bang a hot assistant? Perinda's a serious performance, and also there's a scene where he dresses as a baby. So <laughs> it's a very, yeah, it, it it really it really has a lot of him emo- and Jackie. I'll go to Bollywood. The yeah. emotional <laughs> register in that movie is pretty intense. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you know we've we've gotten through race two and uh, you know discussed them. But Danny, which one do you prefer the most? Is it race one? The last we watch, I I was like, oh yeah, race two, yeah man, race two is the you know because the whole like you know just the the I think it was the fact that they managed to pull off you know so much of what they did in the sequel like really had me drawn to it. But this time. Like, I'm markedly more in favor of Race 1. Just in terms of, like, which one is a better movie, like, hands down, it's Race 1. Yeah. Um, uh, But the second one is so glorious, though. It's very glossy. Yeah, it's so, like, and glossy in a non-pejorative sense. You know, Mm -hmm. like, glossy in a way of just, like, you know, the... It's just, like, beautiful, rich colors and, like, you know, propulsive forward motion and, you know, like, good, you know, you know, kind of, you know, like, driving music and, 
Psychedelica and out of nowhere is like, you know, the great gravitational pole movie star, you know, like, and... And he's gotten more handsome as well. His haircut is better. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. It, it must have been around the same time as Cocktail, because he's kind of got that same look, and he looks pretty good. Yeah, this is looks pretty good. Cocktail. I love yeah. Cocktail. Right. I wonder if maybe he meets Deepika there and thinks, you know what I've got? I've got my own, you know, movie series over here. You should be in it. Yeah. Hey, baby, you want to be a race, too? It's... We're going to make you wear pants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Aaron, which is your favorite? I I think race one. Um, I was I was gonna add though. Um, despite like all of these you know things that that race two has going for it, they did get their devil costumes like clearly from the discount from, store. From a Halloween store. Yeah. Halloween discount I really store. do like that that musical sequence. Yeah. Uh, I think I like it better than the one in the first movie where it's in a factory that produces only sparks <laughs> and sparks and also like water hallway. But they do that even better in the second one. Yeah, they add chains and you know, double costumes from the Halloween discount store. Uh, it's no, fu- it's I, fun to see a bunch of imagery that literally has nothing to do with the plot whatsoever. There no. isn't like a devil thing. No. There isn't John Abraham being constrained by society. So he's like in chains. No, no, it's just, no, oh, that'd be cool. Let's do that. It's just, yeah, we're at intermission. Let's put this exciting. Yeah. Let's party. Music video here. Uh, no, I think it's race one. I, I, I do think race one is the better film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of enjoyment to be had in race two, but I think like the first one really like it's cohesive and it holds up as kind of like a piece of storytelling mm-hmm. um, in a really satisfying way. And I just and I do think that like the kind of central relationships there feel a bit more kind of intense and mm-hmm. important to kind of driving the plot forward. So both that kind of uh, rivalry between Akshay Khanna and Saif Ali Khan. And that romance between Vipasha Basu and Saif Ali Khan. So I think kind of both of those elements uh, really work. And it just, I think it is kind of a cut above Race 2, despite its weird, uh, like, country western (laughs) dance sequence. I think uh, I do really like the slow burn aspect of Race 1. And I'm just wondering, for Race 3... I think we should learn about the father who has set up this stupid insurance deal that keeps them um, at each other's throats because some sort of prequel maybe explaining that. Because it seems like a very bad idea to have your ambitious sons trying to kill each other like that. Matt, I will tell you that the last information on A Race 3 came out in 2014, and it was when they offered Shah Rukh Khan the role of playing the villain. Mm. He turned it down, but, you know, who knows? Hmm. Mm. Who knows if if they're still planning on making a race three since it's been two years and there hasn't been said anything. I mean, they always mention they always mention him for you know, Doom Four that kind of thing. He's always in the mix for who's going to be he the next has villain. This franchise, yeah, he's no, he's he's, he's got he's, yeah, he's got a lot going for him already. I don't yeah. know if he needs another thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, where do you go from being the king? You know, exactly. It's always yeah. a step down. But uh, okay, well. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, Danny. Uh, how would you? Oh, thanks like, for having me. How how, how could people uh, catch up with you and uh, learn more about what you're up to? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at bybos, which is at b y b o w e s. I write a weekly column for Film School Rejects, which you can find on Medium and at filmschoolrejects.com. Uh, it usually goes up either Tuesday or Wednesday. It's sort of variable, but like, you know, so early-ish in the week. Um, and I might be starting to do a little bit more over there. Um, 
So stay tuned for that. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. We will be back in two weeks. And as it's October and, you know, it's a spooky month, we will be turning our attention to horror films. Mm-hmm. So in two weeks, we'll actually be doing an episode on Bapasha Basu and looking at her as Bollywood's Scream Queen. So we're going to be looking at three horror films that she stars in. Nice. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? You can find us everywhere. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter, at BollywoodPod. You can find us on Tumblr, BollywoodIsForLovers.tumblr.com. You can find us on Facebook by looking at Bollywood is for Lovers. You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. You can also find me on Twitter at Erin Fraser, E-R-N-E-F-R-A-S-E-R. I also do a weekly film podcast with Paul Matwichuk called Trash Around the Movies. We recently recorded our 200th episode, and Matt, you were on to discuss Lawrence of Arabia. It's automatically Dean. the best episode, because I was on it. <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. You, so you can find that on iTunes if you're interested. Yeah, and iTunes is where you can find this podcast if you're listening on a streaming platform. You can find it at Audioboom, Stitcher, um, Eros Now. There's one other one I'm thinking of, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I think that's all of them. Google Play. Google Play. That's it, yeah. And please leave us a review. It really helps new people find the show and helps us rise in those podcast rankings. Yeah. Like like the noble, ignoble Ranveer Singh, we have to destroy all of our (laughs) enemies on the way to the top. Yes. So please help us in our goal of doing so. Thank you for listening. And done.